God has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And we all said? Amen. Amen. Fantastic. You can take a seat this morning. For those of you who don't know, uh, my name's Jono and Anna and I, we're the youth pastors here. But I think what about, I've been thinking about the idea of the next generation, you know, leading, you know, in the weeks leading up to this morning. And, you know, when, when someone says the next generation, what do they even mean? Like, who, who counts as the next generation? Because for many of you here, when we say the next generation, you think of Carl and Ange. You know, they, they have taken over the, the leadership of this church, they're the new, the new face, the new leadership. And so to many of you, they are the next generation. But then to a whole lot of, uh, you know, to a lot of you, I am the next generation. And, you know, Anna and Jeremiah and the young adults in our generation, we are the next generation. But then the thing is, I have a whole contingent of teenagers that are coming up behind me. And so to me, they are the next generation. So we've all been the next generation at some point or another. We've all had to follow in someone's footsteps. We've been mentored. We've been encouraged. We've been built up. And so regardless of whether you consider yourself a part of the next generation this morning, regardless of whether you count yourself as the next generation, you still have people that are following you. You still have a generation that you are leading, that are, who are looking to you for their cues and their direction. And so we can't just call them the next generation. We have to call them your next generation and my next generation and our next generation Wherever you are in life right now, you have a generation that you are leading. And that could be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be because Psalm 145 tells us that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures throughout all generations. Throughout all generations. When Carl first, uh, first launched our REACH series as we went into our Thanksgiving faith offering, he, um, he said something really quickly in his message that's really stuck with me. You know, and it's when, when God is speaking to Moses and he introduces himself, he says, I am the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's interesting because God decides to use Jacob's original name. For those of you who know the story of Jacob, he was later on renamed Israel by God, and his 12 sons went on to become the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. So he got a new name, but God also gave Abraham a new name. Abraham was originally called Abram before he was renamed to Abraham, but God still says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He uses Jacob's original name. And Jacob was the son that cheated his brother from his birthright and his blessing. Jacob was the son who lied to his father multiple times when he was on his deathbed. And yet God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, I am still God over that generation. I am still God over the liar. I am still God over the cheat, over the manipulator. I don't give up on that generation. My dominion endures throughout all generations. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so this morning, I want to speak into those three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because you'll be able to place yourself somewhere on that spectrum this morning, 
Some of you will consider yourselves Abrahams. You know, you've, you've gone the distance. You've seen God's faithfulness throughout your life, and you're able to tell of his works to the next generation. Others of you are Isaacs. You're in that middle phase. You're, you're leading. You know the call of God on your life now. You know the gifts that he's placed in you to be able to use, and you're able to work those out in your workplace and in your life and things like that. And then others of you, like me, would consider yourselves Jacobs. You're the, the next generation, the new kids on the block, the young whippersnapper. You know, that we're still taking a few risks and we're trying things out along the way, figuring some things out. And so wherever you place yourself on that spectrum this morning, I'd like to speak into that. So let's start with Jacob. Jacob. The story of Jacob is pretty incredible. He starts out as a younger brother to his twin Esau. And um, his name, Jacob, means deceiver. So his parents <laughs> set him up to win that well. And the Bible tells us that Isaac, their father, actually favored Esau. It says Esau, was a, he was a hunter. He would go out and he would catch animals. And he was a burly lad. So he's the equivalent of a rugby player's son. And so his, his dad, Isaac, favored him and loved him. But Jacob was smart. And he was cunning. And if you know the story, he was able to buy his brother's birthright for a bowl of soup. The birthright was given to the firstborn son in a family, and it meant that the largest portion of the father's inheritance would be left to the firstborn. It meant his status and his wealth and his land would be handed over to the firstborn. And Esau sells all of that to Jacob for a bowl of soup. He'd come back from from a hunting trip, and so he was tired, and he was weary, and he was probably really hungry. And so I imagine in that state, he wasn't thinking properly. And Jacob was able to use him in that state to get him to sell his birthright for a small meal. He sold his inheritance for a bowl of soup. He sold his long-term future prosperity, his future security, his future status for temporary pleasure. And I think that can be a lesson for the Jacobs in this room. Don't sell your eternity out for temporary pleasure. Don't sell your future short for short-term gain. We live in a world where you can get everything you want immediately and fast. We live in a fast-paced world, and for the most part, that's a really good thing. Technology has made our lives so much better, and we can do things a lot faster. But some things you cannot fast-track. You can't fast-track your relationship with God. You can't fast-track your emotional and spiritual maturity. You can't fast-track your future. Some things are going to take time for your future to be everything that God wants it to be. Don't sell yourself short. Play the long game. Later on in Jacob's life, he lies to his father about five times while his father's on his deathbed to deceive Isaac into giving him the blessing of the firstborn. So now he's not only taken his brother's birthright, but now he's stolen the blessing that was intended to him as well. And so if we finished Jacob's story there, we would say he's a manipulator, he's a liar, he's a cheat, and he's living up to his name of being a deceiver. And I think it can be very easy sometimes to look at the next generation and see everything they get wrong, see all the mistakes they make, see the times they fail, and it can be so easy to cut their story short and to write them off as they are. 
But the thing is, we know that Jacob's story didn't end there. He grew up, and God actually gave him a new name. He renamed him Israel. He redeemed him. He eventually went on to um, make peace with his brother. And he went on to father the nation of Israel. So don't give up on Jacob. But also in light of this, there's a quality that we can draw out of Jacob. And that is Jacob positioned himself to receive from God. Sure, his methods may have been pretty dodgy and the way he went about it was wrong. But there was a a hunger in Jacob that I really admire. And he positioned himself, he did everything he could to receive from God. And so Jacob's in this room, can I encourage you, position yourself around God. Get involved in church, read your Bible, pray, spend time in his presence, position yourself as best you can. There's a person in the New Testament who falls into this category of being a Jacob that I really admire. He's one of my favorite people in the Bible. His name's Timothy. Timothy was Paul the Apostle's uh, protege. He was a shining star. He was his, um, Paul took him on as a spiritual son, and he raised him, and he fathered him, and he mentored him, and he led him. And Timothy went on to lead a, a huge and an amazing church in the early church. But there's some advice that Paul gives him, which I'm sure you've heard many times, from 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for all believers in speech, in conduct, in love, faith, and purity. Set an example for all believers. That's not just a command, that's a challenge. Set an example for all believers, not just some, all believers. And so if you consider yourself a Jacob this morning, if you're a uni student, a high school student, if there are any kids here too, can I ask you, when was the last time that this was the filter that you ran your decision-making through? When was the last time this was the lens that you lived out your life, you know, before you spread that little bit of gossip? Am I setting an example for all believers? Before I went to that party, am I setting an example for all believers? Before I post that, picture on Instagram, or I send that Snapchat, and am I setting an example for all believers? Before I slept in, instead of coming to church on a Sunday morning, am I setting an example for all believers? But then in contrast, as we move over to Isaac now, when was the last time that you looked to Jacob for your example? When was the last time you looked to them for your cues instead of looking at them and criticizing them and overlooking them? When was the last time you looked to them for your example? If they're to set an example for all believers, then all believers should once in a while look to Jacob for their example and see how they do things. When was the last time you looked at their risk-taking? You know, our brains haven't fully developed until we're about 25, so sometimes our decision-making can be a bit shot. But the thing is, is that that allows us God is able to use that and cause us to take risks for him that we wouldn't normally do in our adult years. When was the last time you looked at Jacob and thought, man, I could take a few more risks for God? When was the last time you looked at their ability to adapt to change? This is the generation that changes their middle name. You know, change happens for them on the daily, and quite often change can be a difficult thing to, to handle, but for the most part, change is a really good thing, and this generation can thrive in that. When was the last time you looked at Jacob and thought, man, I could embrace change the way they do? And so it's a challenge both ways. 
It's a challenge to the next generation to set a worthy example to be followed. But it can also be a reminder to Abraham and to Isaac to not overlook the things that Jacob is doing and perhaps even seek out the way that they do things once in a while. And so Isaac, Isaac was a leader. He took what Abraham had built, his father had built, and he was able to build on top of that and propel his family forward. And so the Isaac generation are often the leaders in this world. You've had a bit more experience. You've you've lived life a little bit longer. You know by now the calling that God has for you. You've identified the gifts that he's placed in your life, and you're able to use those to build his kingdom. But the thing is, it can be very easy for any leader once they know what God's called them to do, once they know what they're supposed to do, just to put their head down and charge on forward, and I'm going to build the kingdom, and I'm going to rock it on, and I'm going to do my part and play my part, and that's a really good thing. But there's an interesting thing about Isaac in Scripture, and that's when you read the story of Isaac, so much of his life we see through the lens of either Abraham or Jacob. So much of his life is told from his relationship to either Abraham or to Jacob. You know, we hear lots about Abraham at the start and the life that he led. And then later on, we hear lots about Jacob and the things that he went on to do. But Isaac only gets about one or two chapters that are dedicated to just him. The rest of it is in context to either Abraham or Jacob. We start with Abraham and and Isaac's miracle birth to him and Sarah, and then going on to have Isaac almost being sacrificed by Abraham as as God testing his faith. And later on, we hear about him fathering Jacob and Esau and the things that they went on. And in the middle, there's only a short wee bit where we hear about the things that Jacob did in his own. But I think that in that, there's a key leadership principle for Isaac. Because it can be so easy, like I said, just to charge on ahead and do the things that God has called you to do and forget about the generations either side of you. Forget to seek Abraham and his wisdom, but also to forget to bring Jacob along for the ride. Because you see, Jacob, he needs leading. If Jacob is to become everything God wants him to be, he needs Isaac to father him, to coach him, to mentor him, and to give him a turn. And then when he fails, to encourage him up, build him back up, and propel him forward again. Jacob is looking to Isaac for his direction and his cues. He needs Isaac to come alongside him and lead him with love. Are you willing to give Jacob a turn even though he might screw up and even though he might fail? Are you willing to coach him through that to be his biggest fan? Because you see, the disciples, they were Jacob's. The disciples were mostly teenagers when they were chosen by Jesus. In fact, they think that the oldest was Peter and they think he was 21 years old. That's younger than me. And yet this ragtag team of teenagers turned the world upside down, but it took an Isaac coming alongside them for three years and leading them and fathering them and correcting them and coaching them and loving them and building them up for everything that God has for them. And so if you're able to do that, you will not only empower Jacob to be everything that God wants him to be, but you will have also raised a generation that will go the distance with you. They'll be loyal to God and loyal to you, and they'll fight for you and with you in that. Are you willing to give them a turn? And then lastly, we come to Abraham. Abraham, where God's covenant was first laid out. And there's a defining attribute about Abraham that Hebrews 11 gives us so beautifully. 
and says that Abraham was defined for his faith. He was commended for his faith. The Abraham generation is one of faith. And we need a generation of Abrahams that are reminding us about the faithfulness of God. We need a generation of Abrahams that are praying for us, for Isaac and for Jacob, where it says one generation will tell of his works to another. Don't stop telling us the things that God has done in your life. Don't stop telling us where we've come from and where we're going. Remind us, tell of his works to another generation. Because you see, it's not just faith in God that Abraham needs to have. It's faith in Isaac and it's faith in Jacob. Have faith in the generations coming up behind you. Set them up to win. Be their biggest fan. Please, can I tell you, do not just point the finger and criticize because they need spiritual grandparents. I need spiritual grandparents, grandparents that love me, that pray for me, that encourage me and support me. See, Isaac will do the correcting and God will do the humbling, but can you do the loving and the encouraging? Come alongside them and have faith in the generations because his dominion will endure throughout all generations. And it's my prayer that one day when I become an Abraham and I sit at the end of my life that I'll be able to look back and I'll be able to know that I was able to give everything I had in the generation that I was in at the time. That when I was a Jacob, I was able to lead well. I was able to position myself around God and hear from him and spend time in his presence. That I set a worthy example for all believers in speech and love and faith and impurity. And then when I become an Isaac, I'm able to use the gifts that God's given me, not just keep them to myself, but charge on ahead and do the things that God wants me to do, but that I'll be able to bring Isaac, uh, Jacob along for the ride. I'll be able to be a father to him and to mentor him and to build him up. And then when he fails, encourage him and coach him through it. And that through me, he will be everything that God wants him to be. And then one day when I become an Abraham, that I'll be able to look back and see the faithfulness of God throughout my years, that I'll be able to tell of his works to another generation, that I'll have faith in them, that I'll be praying for them and believing in the generations coming behind me because his dominion endures throughout all generations. He is the God of Abraham. He is the God of Isaac and he is the God of Jacob. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we will continue to serve. Can we give that God some praise this morning? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We thank you that you use all the generations working together, not in isolation, but you bring us together to be a family. And Father, I thank you for every person in this room, regardless of what stage they're in, whether they're an Abraham, an Isaac, or a Jacob, would you be speaking to them, moving through them? And we thank you that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion will endure throughout all generations and we praise you and we thank you for that in Jesus name amen amen hey we're actually going to hear now from a couple of Jacobs who are here behind me now um, and they've been brave enough to come up and share a little bit about themselves so we're going to hand over to these guys how are you guys doing good good, good? awesome do you just want to quickly introduce yourself and then yourself and tell us a little bit about what you guys do yeah, so I'm, I'm Jeremy Lidstone. Um, I'm year 13 at Christ College. Uh, yeah, go to Levita Youth um, every Tuesday, which is really cool. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. And I'm Rebecca, and I'm year 13 at Middleton. And I'm at 
youth on a Tuesday and here on a Sunday. You may have both noticed these guys are both in the band as well, which did an amazing job. So um, you guys have been pretty involved in church throughout all your life. Are you able to tell us really quickly sort of what being a part of church means for you? Um, yeah, so I've, I've grown up here since I was about eight. Um, before then we were at Salvation Army and church is a place where you can belong. You know? mm. It's somewhere where you can come and there's just people that love you and you know, there's next to nowhere else in our city, in our nation, in the world that can do that. Right. Like, you know, you can't go to a, a cafe and just be loved by everyone in the cafe, <laughs> you know, which is why I love church so much. Is that That's you, awesome. You've got a whole, yeah. a whole room of people who are just there to love you. Yeah, great, is, man. Which is just amazing, yeah. Yeah, so I've been here since, literally since I was born. So this is very much, it's my church family. And for me, very similar, it's where I belong. And I know yeah. that people have got my back. I can come to church after having the most horrible week and know that people are going to be there to love me and support me. And that, yeah, that's... That's so cool. And so what would be, just to put you on the spot, what would be a, a challenge that you could give to your generation? I think we're a pretty good generation. Go, go <laughs> um, I do too, man. I think you're awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be to listen. Because like so many times we just think we know what we're doing. We think we're perfect and we, you know, this is how we do it. This is what we do. But I actually take on, you know, all, all the parents and all the grandparents and all the, you know, all of our elders, uh, their, their advice. Um, I think it's really hard for us as a generation. Right. We like to think we know what we're doing when at times we just need to admit that we don't know what we, what's going on. <laughs> I, I think that's completely fair. I think there's a lot of time where we don't listen to the people who have gone before us and they know what life's like and they've got these pearls of wisdom and we just don't want to know anything about it. <laughs> awesome. Hey, thank you guys. Um, yeah, you guys did fantastic. These guys can jump back down now and we're actually going to head over now to the kids have put something on for us, which is really exciting. So... We're going to hand it over to the children.